0: I might have got a little trouble pulling those pews out of Southside Baptist Church, but nonetheless, the folks at Southside have—they've uh, been amazingly gracious and um, generous, and even with the pain of losing something that uh, some of some of the pieces of the building that were really personal to them—they are—they have been just celebrating the last few months as it's gotten finished, and, I, I, and so you guys can just celebrate with that An older crowd there that gave us all their stuff. It's a, it's, it's been great. Hey, I, I just want to remind you, this weekend, there's a partner night. If you're a partner at Radius and you have an RSVP, get on it. We need you, we need you there. It's, it's a time where we celebrate stuff like that. And if you're a part of Radius Lexington, of all the people in, at Radius that can celebrate, it's you because you, you get to celebrate. It's like your kid's birthday. Like you, you get to celebrate what, what we've sent out. And if you don't know how this thing works, if you're new at Radius Lexington, so we usually grow it and fill the room twice and then send a bunch of people somewhere else. And there's some folks over, we call it Centerville, it's actually in Gilbert, there's folks at White Knoll, there's some folks over Ermo, Irmo, there's folks all the way out in Saluda, believe it or not, beating in a bank, which we're thrilled about. And then finally, Southside, um, out of the generosity of this older church and then um, some of our folks a small group of our folks that were willing to go. So we celebrate those that go. We celebrate those that stay. Those that stay got to fill in the holes, and then we start filling up the red seats again. It's kind of kind of our drill here. Uh, today, we want to walk through how we do that at Radius. We, we take four Sundays right here at the beginning of the school year. The, at the beginning of the school year, people are setting their calendars. It's a good time to invite somebody to the church. So if you want to Bring, obviously it's a, it's a nasty day today. You might need to punch your neighbor just to get them fully awake right now. I don't know about what that is out there, but it made me want to sleep a little bit. You can stand up and do jumping jacks in the middle. I won't assume anything, just if you need to stay awake. But there's, there's this beginning of the year where our energy together, like as, as we get ready for the new school year, it's really a great time to include people in our spiritual activity so they can connect with the Lord. And a lot of times folks are looking for a place to plug in. So put that on your mind. Let me pray. I'm going to read, read this passage to you. Jesus, uh, we, shoot, we want to be obedient to you. We want to be a church that looks like you and, a, and really stays up under your authority. So help us. You know us, Lord. We're fragile. We waffle under pressure. Help us, Lord. Help us follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Cheryl and I have been a part of church playing for a long time, which means we move. We move into new houses, and generally, I am the fix-it guy, which I'm really good with duct tape and a variety of other things like that, so it's it's a little dangerous. We bought a house in Texas, actually, where we met, the Johnson family, and we moved into it. It it had a two-story entryway. It needed some love. It had this two-story entryway, and, and Cheryl hated the way the windows went all the way up to the top. And felt like everybody could see in, so we had to hang curtains, two-story curtains on there. And, and I was supposed to figure that out. So she found the curtains, and I installed uh, the stuff to hang the curtains on. So uh, brilliant in my mind. Let me just get my extension ladder bring it on in the house. I, I didn't really think about the flooring. But I brought the extension ladder in the house, stuck it up on the wall. Anybody else do this? And the kids were gone, and so Cheryl was my assistant. Anybody, anybody else do projects with your wife on the house? Always a little sketch, really. Um, so I got up top and I'm, I'm working on screwing the stuff in the wall, and, and then I had an issue and I, I needed another screwdriver. My mother in law, for whatever reason, made the story more complicated, was in the kitchen and uh, visiting us. And I need a screwdriver, and I'm at the top of the ladder at about 16, 18 feet, and Cheryl's on the ground. What's the normal thing to say? Throw me the screwdriver. So Cheryl, because her mother's there, if she, her mother wasn't there, she wouldn't have done this. She just told me, no, come get it. But since her mother was there, she's, she didn't want to look bad in front of her mama. So it's complicated. She grabs one of those screwdrivers. You know the ones that have like six parts? Uh, that They stick together and they got multiple. So she grabs that screwdriver. I'm like, just throw it to me, baby. She, you ever, you ever done something like this? Like She, she, she w- doesn't want to do this. But there's all this peer pressure in the room, and so she throws it, but she doesn't really throw it. I'm like, throw it, baby, throw it. Instead, she throws it about nine feet in the air. And I'm, I, as good as I can impress, I got, I'm holding and reaching as far. I got hands, by the way. I would have caught it, but it, it never got close to me. And in slow motion, that screwdriver is heading down toward her couch. And I I'm, see <laughs> I'm sweating, because if it hits the couch, I'm dead, man. And, and, and so she decides to catch it. It's coming down, and she reaches out, and the screwdrivers come, and her hands are out, and the screwdriver hits a rung on the ladder, comes off and hits her, and then busts all over the room, all six parts, right? It's all over the room. And it's like one of those moments where you really don't know what to do. I stood really still in case she'd shake me off the ladder. <laughs> and, and she immediately just marched out of the room, went up to her bedroom. It's like one of the moments, maybe I'll give her a minute. You, you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I went and put the screwdriver back together and went back and finished the job. Her mother looks really fearful over in the kitchen. And then I finally made my way up to the bedroom. When I got to the bedroom, she's been crying. And she walks over to me, and she—it was a Phillips head screwdriver, and she's got the mark of the Phillips head, like it's right on that bone under her eye, like it's like a like a plus sign right on her eye. And when I saw it, I could not help it; I started laughing. She's crying, and I'm laughing, and then she wasn't crying anymore. I wish she'd have kept crying. And, and she went. At me, boy. I was, I was, and I deserved all of it, but I couldn't stop laughing. Even when she got mad, I, I just could not stop. I don't know why. I don't know because I'm a sinner. I, it just struck me funny that it put a plus sign. She's telling me I couldn't put my eye out. And I'm like, but it didn't. It put a plus sign like right there. And, and uh, it, was, it was a terrible hour, to be quite honest with you, as we stayed in the bedroom and, and we worked it out. We've spent, we moved a ton of times, and so we've spent a ton of time on houses and trying to fix them and, you know, painting and so forth and so on. And we we invest a lot of energy into those houses, but this wasn't a house. This was my home. She was looking at me. She had a little plus sign under her eye, but she was looking at me, and all of a sudden, all the work on the house didn't matter. It was a strange moment, and I was was wrong in it. It It's 2009. It was a year where just, just along with other things, the Lord was taking moments like that and pointing at my heart. Now, that moment was funny, but there was this stubbornness that was clear in my heart. we have been married a long time, and that stubbornness hadn't been gone, and uh, I needed to go to work on it because this is my home. It ain't just a house. We can get another house. We got to do what we have to do to have a house, but this is my home. This relationship with Cheryl is the core of my home. I got to figure out how to relate with her. And, and the stubbornness was uh, I don't know what kind of weed you got in your yard, but in, in, in my heart and in my soil, it was all in it. And it needed to be rooted out. I always wish you could just say, I'm sorry, and it's all out. In my case, It needed a roundup. It needed a variety of activities to root out this deep stubbornness. It's still there, but we've we've done some work since 2009. Because because this home of mine, I don't have much other than Christ more important than that. We're going to spend some time on a little figure eight. You got got the card today. We're going to give it out all four weeks. And it's got this picture of your home in the middle. And we really believe all ministry here at Radius is how we operate comes out of your home. So this, this circle at the top, uh, you, you actually leverage everything good that's happening in your home, I hope, and it goes into your world. And they got a little baseball diamond in the store and your job. All those things are outside the home. And then when it circles down below, this is Radius. This is church. We, we, we worship together. We, we got groups together. And you got all these green shirts around. That's what they're for. Uh, we, we get. Folks prepared to use their gifts. There's, you circle back around and you refresh and you interact with God and you come back to home. And, and, and at the very core of really our philosophy of ministry, we, we need the home to be healthy. And so it's got to be fought for. We talk about it a lot here at the Reeves house. We've been fighting for it for 32 years next month, Cheryl and I together. We've been parents for 30 years The combined number of years we've parented six kids, and I got one family over here that's got me beat, uh, is 147 years. So that's that's some parenting experience, and yet I still feel like we we don't have it figured out, and we're just fighting for it. Fighting for our home to be healthy, and certainly fighting for this home to be centered around Jesus. Let me make a really clear, simple statement. Russell got me to do fill-in-the-blank for the first time in the history of all my preaching. So I got it on the back. So I'm learning. It just took me a long time. And he he swears he don't want to take any credit for it. But nonetheless, it, 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 the first, first fill in the blank, really, really simple. And I hope you can answer it if you've ever been in the simplest class ever. The home starts with you. Home starts with you. Last week, we spent a bunch of time on the you. Man, like, like you always want your home to change, but it, it always starts with you. I'm, I'm sure there's other problems at the house, but it always starts with you. And, it, and we were living in Texas in this crazy house. I knew it needed to start with me. I needed to start focusing on changing my attitude toward my wife in particular, as the Lord took a passage in First Peter and just kind of convicted me about it, and started, started working on myself, on, on you. Just, just a interesting stat. Dads in the room, husbands. Seventy percent of the time, if the dad wants to go to church, the family goes. Moms in the room, stats not nearly as good. And so, dads, you need to feel the pressure, and moms, you can't feel less. It's less than thirty percent. It's in the high twenties. If the mom wants to go to church, the wife, that the whole family goes. And if it's a student, it's in the teens. Student, child, wants to go to church, there's a percentage, but it's very small. It's in the 13%, 14% range, then the whole family might follow the student. But let that not dissuade you from the power of the you in, in the home, because whether the family is a part of church or not, the you always has power in the home, even if it's an eight-year-old child, because as, as the Holy Spirit fills up the individual, And it overflows onto the family. It makes an impact. we got crazy stories here of high school kids who have been baptized. And then over the course of the next five years, the whole family's come to Christ. Because the Holy Spirit made his way into their house through that one individual. We've got great stories of all sorts. It's really interesting. Men, when a man flips the script, some of you knew Jesus. But uh, you were walking your own way for a while, and you decided to allow him to dominate your life again, and you can look over your family, and you can see that that made an impact. So appreciate all that. But there's this, this really important, I think oftentimes when we talk about the home, we talk about somebody else, not me. Now nah, today we're just talking about you. The home starts with you. We read last week Luke chapter 10, and uh, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he says to love your neighbor as yourself. So the you starts with loving God. That's, that's, how, that's how the insides get full. He loved us first, but as we respond in love, then we give him permission to fill us up. You want to talk about that later? we love to. We talked about that a lot last week, but when you're full, then you naturally overflow and you love your neighbors. Russell brought this up a while back. Your very first neighbor is the person inside the four walls. That's the the first neighbor. Sometimes the first neighbor is the hardest neighbor to love. I always remind Sarah, I don't have to talk to that neighbor all the time. i got to talk to you all the time. i got a lot more time to screw up with you. So it's this challenging thing that we do to love the very first neighbor, the folks, the folks in our home, and we certainly need the Lord to do those. There's this passage in the Old Testament. It's in a book called Deuteronomy. Jesus quoted it all the time. If you get really sleepy tonight, and you can't actually go to sleep, you can pull out Deuteronomy, it'll also put you to sleep, right? Like it's not the most exciting reading ever. It's got a bunch of law in it and it's powerful. But chapter six is one of the best known passages in the whole book. And Jewish folks, if you grew up Jewish, you would quote these verses on a regular basis. It's a pretty interesting moment where Moses is about to lead the people into the promised land he doesn't actually get to. But he's almost there, and the Lord gives him this. And I want to read some of it to you. It's called the Shema. Like you want to just sound country and done, call it the Shema. Everybody will laugh. But it's called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, which means here. He just takes a lot of times, we were talking about it this week, the Jewish folks would just take a word out of an important passage and name that passage after that word. And, and the very first word in uh, Deuteronomy 6-4 is listen. You remember that last week? The Lord, the Lord said, you who have, a he, uh, you who have an ear to li- it, should listen and understand. Right? Like it's supposed to, the kingdom news is supposed to come through your ears. This is, this is before Jesus. God is speaking to the nation of Israel and he says, listen, O Israel. Let it come through your ears. And so the name the whole passage, the Shema, to hear. And here's what it re- how it reads. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. Another translation says the Lord is one. One of the most repeated verses of, of all the, the Old Testament. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You heard that before? Uh, Luke added mind. Verse 6, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehands as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Interesting. Listen. Shema. And then he has this crazy line in there. Again and again. Let me just uh, address folks maybe sitting here going, I don't have a family right now. I'm living alone. When when, uh, this is written, it's not just written to perfect families, right? It's written to everybody in the community. There's this expectation if you were single, if you were single again, if you were a grandparent, no matter what part of the community you were, you were responsible for the next generation. Like, it was going to be on you. What the next generation turned out like as Jewish folks, that was on you. So you actually participate with my kids, and I participate with your kids. If you have kids, you're single. You have this role to play in handing stuff off to the next generation. It's actually an honor, but it's a weight that we carry. One day, there's two little boys. They They were messing around in that hall over there, and their parents were over here. And guess who walked up? You're right, my wife. They call her Miss Cheryl, with the utmost respect. (laughs) Whatever they were doing did not meet her standard. And uh, you ain't heard Cheryl before. Cheryl got this thing. When when she says something, she got this crazy eye. Where you at, baby? It's not really crazy, but the kids see it as crazy. They're like, whatever she said, I'm doing. These two little boys, they came right in line. It was beautiful. And their dad turned the corner, and he's like, I love that. You, you, you felt responsible for my kids. That's part of your responsibility, and, and Cheryl, like, <laughs> that's the only way she knows how to do it. It was this moment where I love your kids as opposed to I'm worried about what somebody else is going to think. We need a village. I don't know about you, but I needed help to get this thing done. We hope that that's true here at Radius. We're a nation that is independent as heck, Right? And so sometimes when we get help, we actually feel like somebody's pointing a finger at us like we're wrong. Instead of us all going the same direction and assuming we're helping each other along the way. The passage reads again and again to your children. Repeat them these commands again and again. Say to your kids again and again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Let it land on them over and over and over. I got another little blank to fill in. Again and again, I decided to use the Yankee word, use. Like all the use at your house. Again and again, use talk about blank in your home, on the road, at dawn and at dark. So you could just fill that in. Honestly, it would probably be the best. If we're in Sunday school, what's every little Sunday school kid going to say? Jesus. man, That's right, like 50% of the time. So the answer is always Jesus, and they always say Jesus. And Jesus is the right answer to this question. But what's the true answer to this question? Like, should you put a dollar sign in there? That's what we talk about all the time. Should you put Trump or Biden in there? Because that's what we talk about all the time. Should you put Dabo or Beamer in there? Because that's what we talk about. Or or is it some game? Or or what is it? What is it that we talk about all the time? At the end, as I was trying to stew, about all the things that we could potentially put in there. Do we put your name in there? Because you talk about yourself all the time. Do you put your kid's name in there? Because we talk about your kids all the time. Just, Just for good South Carolina education, all answers are wrong except for Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus. Like, we can talk about all the other things, but what do we talk about again and again and again and again? What are we really intentional to talk about because we're trying to pass it on? In my home, there's a variety of things that we talk about a lot. I just want to keep checking to make sure we're talking about Jesus and Man, for some of y'all, like, this is brand new. You're like, what are you talking about? I've never talked about God at all. That's awkward. And you're right. It is awkward. It takes a minute to get through the awkward. Let's just, let's just acknowledge the fact that this is not a natural conversation. There's something in us that makes us a little afraid to have these conversations in our home. We hope that it will become natural and normal topic at the Reeves house. But on a regular basis, there's this hesitation in me. It makes it awkward, and I don't want to do it, and I have to push through awkward to make it happen. Um, he says, talk about it over and over. In my house, I found you can really establish a culture, dads, by what I listen to. So if I, it's not just what comes out of my mouth. It's what I listen to my kids say. I don't know if that makes sense, but you, you listen with energy or with not. You ever been on a road, your kids talk for an hour on the drive and, and you've nodded and uh-huh, you have no idea what they said? That's not listening with energy, right? That's, that's interesting with survival, <laughs> but, but there's, there's times when there's these conversations when they come up and certainly when they come up about God and something going on in their heart, you want to listen with energy, with your body language and the way you look at them and the way you're taking that in. You want to get it, right? And the same with your husband or wife. We wanted to get to where we would love our neighbors. One of the things that I found, my wife is a talker, and she knew all 34 homes in our neighborhood, and she could tell me about their kids, and I I didn't really care that much about their kids, but guess what, if I want our culture to be to love our neighbors, I better have energy for that conversation and listen. It's a gift to our home. So he says to listen while we sit at home, while we're on the road, when you go to bed and when you get up, that's pretty good, Deuteronomy. This book written 3,500 years ago, we think, is still true today. When We sit at home. Some of us sit at home a lot. Some of us never sit. A little practical advice, man. The dinner table, so much hay can be made at the dinner table. For our simple family, it was a place where I could make eye contact. We're losing that. I know for some of you younger families, this would be a fight. But the eye contact at the dinner table, I wouldn't trade all the times we put together. And sometimes it was a great meal, and sometimes it was not. But just to take whatever amount of minutes and get around that dinner table every night and make eye contact with all six of mine, priceless. Here's what happens. You establish some authority. And you're like, man, what? Authority, man, man, without understanding authority, it's really hard to understand God. Every school teacher in the room is screaming amen in their soul right now. Like, please establish some authority before you send them to me. Teaching them to look in your eyes, it gives them this peace and helps them understand who's in control. It's amazing for my kids once every once in a while they, they get off track. And Cheryl and I would recognize it, and we feel like we ruined our family, particularly when we were like you guys that are young parents, feel like we just ruined them all. This thing is going in the ditch fast, and we would have to reestablish authority. Uh, so, so we spanked kids, it worked for us. You do what you do, but you got to establish authority. And one of my sons, when I'd spank him, it was like it healed him. Right, like I remember spanking him on my lap one time. We always hug afterwards. But he levitated up off my lap. I still don't know. It was miraculous. I, I must have made good contact. He came up. He gets three swats and he levitated up off my lap and I'm, I almost caught him in the air. And we hugged for a while and then he was like a new man. He just needed to know where the lines were. Somebody show me who's in the authority here because right now I am in the middle of this home. And I don't want to be. I want somebody who knows something to lead me. Cheryl would take the kids and by the way, if you're here and you need a demo day on your house, your home right now, sit, sit we got a bunch of them, sit them on the couch. And she'd go, I've been slack lately. she kind of own it. And uh, today it all changes. They didn't believe her, of course. And she'd go, like, when I say it the first time, it's going to happen. Of course, everybody's quiet because it's dangerous not to be quiet in that moment, right? But, but then they go back to, back to the same son that levitated off my I, I think he sat on his bed like 48 hours straight until he remembered how to say yes, ma'am. You're like, what? That's, we blessed that kid. We blessed him. By the way, if you see him, you're going to hear yes, ma'am, even today. Like, he just needed to know who was in charge, and there was this freedom that came from that. Made our house run great. There's this freedom for him, and now when we talk about God, God makes sense. God loves me. He gives me all this affection because Cheryl's constantly hugging and kissing these rascals, right? He loves me. He gives me affection, but he he also asks me to obey at times, and it doesn't necessarily make sense. Some of the best questions at that dinner table. We had to fight baseball for it when we moved to Lexington because baseball wanted my dinner table. Because every one of them coaches thought every one of them kids were going to major leagues. Guess what? None of them did, right? 99% of them never played in high school. But not, they were all going to MLB, right? I still remember dad coming out, all, all our boys. I'm like, no, they're not. That's my kid. Have you seen me run? Anyway, anyway, it's, 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 this, it's this thing. And the next thing you know, you sell your soul for something that's fool's gold. At the dinner table, you get these questions, and as a dad or as a mom or whoever's leading the conversation, this does not have to be complex. You do not have have to have your degree from seminary, right? You got to ask them who their best friend is. Look around the table. We used to do this drill. Who's your best friend and why? You get some of the funniest answers, right? Like, I I would always, I got five sons, my friend's Billy. He's the fourth fastest in the class. He's got everybody ranked at everything they've ever done. He's about the fifth as far as who can jump the furthest. And they're going through this list, but you're finding out what, who they're hearing from. I like to ask questions like, uh, what's, what's everybody's favorite song at school? Because then you're, you're finding out who the artists are that are getting in your kids' ears. What's the favorite game people are playing? Because this is my passion, right? I'm trying to take what God's given to me and pass it on to the next generation. So I got, I can't, I got to know what's going on. I got to know what's going in their ears so I can counteract it one way or another. And sometimes that means to completely protect them. And sometimes that means that I'm feeding them something else. We do the Bible at the table. By the way, if you're young, if you're a young family, I got about, 20 of these right right on the way out. When you pick up your kids, you can grab it. These didn't exist. The Bible did, but this one didn't exist when, when we had kids. And there was just this good exercise at the dinner table, often for 10 minutes, sometimes longer, where we would do something with the Bible. Those of y'all that are really creative, you won't need this. Some of us need like a tool. My dad had one, and every night he would take a little time, and he'd open it up. And I'm going to tell you, we have grown men that read this children's Bible and weep. It makes sense to them for the first time. You want to grab one? There's 20 of them back there. You run out. You let me know. I'll get you one. This is <laughs> this is the best stuff on this planet. Giving this to your kid, you won't do anything better the rest of your life. I hate the daggum crap on. <laughs> listen to people interviewed, hoping to get the kids out of the house, or don't want any kids. What the heck? Giving the good news away to your kids and a way to live and blessing them on this planet. You don't get any better than that. We can give you tools. Matt Altman is, works with our kids. He's terrific at it. You can use him as a resource anytime. He says on the road, carpool line is a time <laughs> you got them trapped. You want to ask them some questions. I'm asking my middle school kid about sex. On the way back from school one time, he goes, Dad. I know more than the people who do it. I'm like, I'm not sure that's where we're going for, son, but uh, I'm glad we informed you. <laughs> uh, but it gave him a confidence when that subject came up, right, because it had happened at our house. Uh, Israel, who might be here somewhere, he's riding the bus back to our house out on yachting, and he and his younger brother, Elijah, are sitting side by side, evidently on the bus. I'm hearing this story while we're riding down the road some kid on the bus is picked on his older sister named Mariah. And uh, I literally slid. like I f- put a flat mark on my tires. I locked up the car's tires on the road and reached back and grabbed both them boys. Like, y'all didn't do nothing about that. And I'm getting on them about how they're supposed to protect their sister. And like, Dad, she kicked him in the floor. She was kicking him on the floor. I couldn't get there fast enough. Right? Like, like they're, they're working through this stuff. But what am I establishing? You better handle your business. There's this, you're you, you always taking care of somebody. That's what we're doing. Saying about you. The list goes on. I don't really have time to get into it all, but uh, as you're riding down, man, you can do road trips when, you, when they get the teenage, and you take them to a game, in my case, or whatever y'all go to, symphony or whatever. I ain't never been to one of them, but yeah, like, you go wherever you're going. The ride there for older kids is amazing because you got more time. And eventually they break, and, and there's this sweetness of conversation that you get to have that has more depth. Don't miss that. It's a chance to lay some of the good news that's been passed to you, if you're a believer, in your kids. Some of the great wisdom that was passed on to you by others, it's, it's a chance to lay it in them. And, and that's true uh, even if you don't have kids. When you volunteer with students or you find your way in front of a l- younger employee, there's this chance to pass along stuff. It's a gift. It should bring you great joy. And so I've had, uh, you know, at least one of my kids come way off the tracks. Know what he had to do? Man, all those years, thousands of hours, Cheryl and I just just laying the tracks, laying the tracks, laying the tracks, again and again and again. And then uh, when he went off, he, 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 had, he felt it. He could tell you about today. He had to kind of run over the barriers that we built. He had to try to make these wheels work on tracks that didn't exist. So he's over here outside of what we really built for him and and yet always torn by what was built. Ah, so we wept and we prayed and we wept and we prayed until the prayer relieved some of the weeping. And then you trust and you trust and you trust, you trust the Lord, but then you're thankful for every minute that you said it again and again and again and again because He can't forget it. The Lord's been gracious. Going to bed getting up man bedtime's the best you got little kids bedtime's the best cuz little kids don't want to go to bed they're falling asleep but they swear they don't want to go to bed so you can tell any story you want and they're going to listen just to stay up another 30 seconds so seize it it is a wonderful time to be affectionate with those rascals they need to know that you love them and seize the bedtime even as we get older it's it's really cool even if you're single and you're home it's really cool. pull up your bible app before you turn out that light and read one more section or, or read the verse of the day again. Like, whatever it is, to get this on the beginning and the end of the day is, is, is really an important part of again and again and again and building your home. Because, see, even if you're single, you have a home. Like, like, a lot of times we think home, certainly we think family and folks that belong in these four walls with me. But you've got this home, and out of this home, we're hoping to reach the world. So it needs to be a healthy place where the word of God just continues to land. Man, on the way to school, in the morning, it's a little hard to get everybody's attention. Cheryl used to pray on the kids as she dropped them off. If you can sing, you can sing a song on the way. If you can't, you can sing a song on the way just to get folks. (laughs) One of my sons has uh, has uh, has sticky notes on his doors, on his way out of his door. He reads the sticky notes with the verses on it to remind him where he's going. Hey, if you're a teenager, you're responsible. This isn't your mom's responsibility. This ain't your dad's responsibility. It's sliding into your camp at this point. You got to find a way. Put it on the screensaver of your phone. You got, like in this passage, it almost seems like they're about tattooing it. Don't, don't come home with a tattoo of like John three sixteen and tell me the pastor told me to do it. And right, that, that ain't happening, but put it on your screensaver. Do, do whatever you got to do to keep it in front of you. The passage is going to say, "Be careful not to forget the Lord." What does Jesus say about this? Do this in remembrance of me. It's just this play, this world coming at us so fast, you know. To remind ourselves over and over and over and over, and for those of us that are parents, gotta fight for it. It's interesting what fight for it looks like when the little. It takes so much daggum energy, right? When they get older, you can't control it. Find yourself praying a lot. Let me read you these last verses. It's beautiful. 3,500-year-old book says this. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws and decrees and regulations that the Lord, our God, has commanded us to obey? All the stuff we got, all the questions we got going on in our world right now. They were happening 3,500 years ago. The kids were growing up. They don't remember the Red Sea. They don't remember the people walking through a God-parted Red Sea. They don't remember slavery. They don't remember where we used to be. All they know is the now, and they're asking, why we keep doing this stuff? Why are we at church another Sunday? I don't want to go. What's the answer? Verse 21, then you tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all of his people. And he brought us out of Egypt so that he could give us this land that he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees. And to fear him so he so he could continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. Did you hear it? You better have a story if you want to pass it forward. Moses is telling the Jews, hey, hey, you remember the story when we were slaves, when we were in bondage? On your little card, you ought to write, I was a sinner. And I was separated from God. And this is what it looked like. I got saved as a little boy. Wasn't too dramatic. But I still want my kids to know that I was a sinner. Some days, Cheryl's better at this than me, we get to admit our sin to our kids. We screwed up and we apologize. It just affirms again, number one, that I was a sinner and I was separated from God. I was desperate. I was a sinner and I was separated from God. (laughs) Secondly, God saved me by his grace. God saved me. Man, when you're preaching or you're trying to get your kids to church and they don't see that you were lost and then you were saved, it don't make any sense. Like, if it doesn't seem like you believe, then this just doesn't make any sense. Remember, the family starts with you. So today might be a great day to have one of those conversations. I was a sinner and separated from God. God saved me by his grace. And then finally, it's a really interesting thing that we say as parents sometimes. Spouses, Cheryl says it to me at times. I say it to her. And God remains faithful. We talk about how that relationship started, but we talk about how it continues. Because, man, it don't always look like he's being faithful, does it? So it was this great reminder to go back through the stories and say he's faithful. And even when it doesn't look like he's faithful, he says that he's faithful. His word says he's faithful. And he's proven it generation after generation. The only way we can pass along our faith to the next generation is by believing ourselves. It all starts with you. Baby boy's going to college this week. So there's going to be some tears in my house. I usually cry before they go. Cheryl's already started. Uh, he's 18, and what uh, really happens is you start with this, and then by the time they're teenagers, it's got to be theirs. They've got to have their own rhythm. They've got to get up in the morning, they've got to go to bed at night. They've got to sit down at the house, and they got to make decisions on what they're going to do while they're on the road, right? Oh, a couple years ago, um, he got $100 for Christmas, and like his mama, he got on Craigslist, and he bought a $70 Lazy Boy. Yes, yeah, Cheryl sprayed it before it came in the house. Uh, had to sit in the garage overnight, quarantined. Uh, put it in his room. and One of my great joys in life is to knock on his door at night. I'm not a big talker. Look in, see him sitting in his Lazy Boy. It's just kind of hilarious and fits his personality. With his Bible and his notebook. Ending the day with a few minutes with God. A couple of times I've walked in. He's been on his knees. It's not been true all the time for him or any of my kids. This is not like this great story of success. This is a story of passion. It's a passion for my home, one that I fail at regularly, and I want it for your home. I've tasted the pain of folks coming off the tracks, and I've tasted the the joy of seeing them on their knees praying. That's what we're dreaming about. We really want Radius to be birthed out of families. Passing the batons, sharing it between husband and wife, sharing it in community, which is why these green shirts are all over the place. We want a place where you can learn to do that together. Celebrate the victories and weep over the losses. Got a bunch of losses and a bunch of wins. We want that for you.